0: Thanks, Mitchell. I thought maybe you're going to sing for just a moment there, but uh, you know, I have, a, I have a I have a theory. You know, have you ever been to um, a child's uh, a little child's program somewhere and they all sang poorly, but everybody cheered? I, I think that's what heaven does. It's not about whether you can sing good enough to be on the platform. It's the fact that you will sing off key or whatever because uh, we have a perfect God who has perfect pitch, he and, he, and I think he hears everything in perfect pitch. Amen. So just a theory I have, um, but I'm going to stick with it. It's a great uh, privilege to be with you here this weekend. Great to be with you. Love the time of worship. Uh, I'm going to refer to uh, a couple of those songs actually a little bit later, but, um, you know, we're going we're to talk about that Scripture, just by way of opening today, that was read for us uh, in Second Chronicles. But let me give you a little bit of a um, background to this, to this uh, story that we read about Jehoshaphat. Because uh, his father was Asa. And uh, Asa was facing an army of 1 million and plus 300 chariots thrown in. Yeah. And uh, that was like tanks in those days. And uh, he cries out to God because he's totally outnumbered, and God delivers them miraculously. The next time uh, they get attacked, he starts a deal with the king of Assyria, looks to the king of Assyria for help. The first time he cries out to God, actually I should read that one verse for you in chapter 14, verse 11. This is what Asa cried out to the Lord his God. He said, Lord, it's nothing for you to help whether with what? You've maybe heard this piece before. With many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you and in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God, do not let man prevail against you. And God delivers them from a million people. The next time, in his 36th year of reign, so he's getting older. Do you know that getting older doesn't mean you get better? It doesn't necessarily mean you get smarter. It, it certainly means you have the opportunity to get smarter and wiser, but some people just have the same lesson over and over and over again. They never get the lesson. And it doesn't matter if you're young or you're old. The issue will be: Will we try to? Will we allow God to to fight our battles, or will we try to do it our own way, in our own style? That that becomes the issue. So, because when in, in chapter sixteen uh, he forms a treaty with Syria, the king of Syria. And, uh, it's not good at all. God's not pleased. Uh, he ends life, even though he's done quite well, uh, he ends life diseased in his feet, it says it was so severe. And in his, even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but just the physicians. Now, uh, verse 17, Jehoshaphat takes over his son and, uh, It says, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals, but he sought the God of his father, walked in the commandments, not according to the acts of Israel. And he began to build reforms. And uh, he tore down idols, tore down those altars. Uh, In in chapter 18, we find that he builds an alliance through marriage with Ahab. Ahab is one of the most wicked kings ever. So we have a divided kingdom here. Jehoshaphat is the king of the southern king, which is Judah, and Ahab is the king of Israel. So there's a divided kingdom here. Judah are the one that stayed with the Lord's plan, and Israel are those who decide they're going to go their own way. Now it said that during his reforms, people continually came to them from the other tribes as they saw that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. And... Uh, so he asks the Lord to um, to help him. He uh, <laughs> but he makes this a, lot, a line. Actually, can we put that map up for just a moment? He builds this allegiance with with Ahab. To, Ahab says, "Will you come and fight with me?" And so um, he uh, goes from Jerusalem into Israel, across the River Jordan, up up Beth Have you ever been to? Israel, perhaps you've been to the ruins of Beshean, and then across the Jordan to Ramoth Gilead. Uh, Now, on the right hand side of the Jordan, we have three tribes that have have been given inheritance on that side. You have Reuben, you have Gad, and you have half the tribe of Manasseh. But outside of them, to the right and below, below would be Moab, below the desert, uh, the, the Dead Sea. And to the right, Ammon. Ammon and Moab were both descendants of Lot. Okay? Uh, They weren't given the land of uh, Seir, which will come up in, came up in the passage. Seir was from Esau. So when they came up through the conquest, they were told to leave Esau alone because God said, I gave it to him as an everlasting possession. So he didn't forget about firstborn. He just didn't choose firstborn. All right, so God chooses firstborn sometime. He chooses the middle. And he can choose the end. He chooses, He will choose. His point is he will use whoever is available to be used. Okay. So he. this is about a 30-hour hike if you're in a hurry. They go up there. They fight. They come back. And God is now upset with Jehoshaphat um, because he trusted um, the king of Syria rather than calling on God Himself. This is the place that we find them. Now, chapter nineteen, they get back. He begins more reforms. He sets judges in place. He said to the judges, "Take heed to what you're doing, for you did not judge man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, no taking of bribes, because bribes perverts judgment." And so, this is what happens after the Lord corrects him, prophetic word, and then he. Uh, He repents, and he begins to bring some reforms uh, into the country. Incidentally, Jehoshaphat means the Lord judges. The Lord judges. Uh, Pastor RJ referred to uh, the Lord being the judge. I'm not the judge. You're not the judge. Because there's just things we don't know. But there's nothing God doesn't know. Not not me, not you. Nobody gets away with anything in uh, in God's criteria. He... Knows everything and he's very gracious and long suffering, but he's a just God. So he brings these reforms, and once you know, just about the time he gets it together and brings the reforms and things are going good, the enemy attacks. Isn't that the way it is sometimes? You know, these things are just kind of hitting pace and you just got that promotion, you just, you just got married, you just had that baby, you just had something good happen and the enemy attacks. Well, we just have to be reminded that with Jesus, when the enemy tried to um, tempt him in the wilderness and, and he defeated him, it just says the enemy went away for a more opportune time. Yeah. So he, he doesn't wait until you're strong. He actually many times waits till you're weak or when you're confident or when you think everything's okay and your guard's down. Uh, so that, that's the enemy that, that, we, that we fight against. But that's the backdrop to this. And in chapter 20, we find them being faced with Moab and Ammon, uh, who are coming against them, uh, distant relatives. <laughs> uh, the, the Bible is full of interesting dynamics that it doesn't shy away from, but it's very clear about. It gives us all hope, because all God has to deal with is imperfect people like me and you. So he talks about not fearing the enemy, but fearing God. The, the test of fear, to find out if you're afraid of what harm might come upon you or the fear of God, is by whether you worry or worship. Yes. Wow. That's the test. So a lot of fear going around these days, and I will do a lot of things. Um, I may choose to do a lot of things, but none none out of fear. Can't afford to make that decision out of fear. Right. You know, you can you can be cautious. You can be careful about this. You can be... Okay, let's take a look at that again. I may do, but not out of fear. All right, we're supposed to have the fear of the Lord, which is means I'm in awe of God, which is where worship comes in. Because we won't worship because everything's cool and everything's great and everything's awesome and everything's the way we thought it would be. We worship because God never changes. We worship because we are stronger in worship. So he sets himself to seek the Lord, proclaims the fast. In humility, he he expresses both his lack of power. The the problem's too big for him. And his lack of wisdom, we don't know what to do. That's pretty good. If you just go, you know, this is too big for me, and I don't know what to do, but God, you're always strong. Nothing's too big for you. And you have all the wisdom that we need. So then the word of the Lord comes. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Battle is yours. Now, it does tell us to do something. And it always comes down to doing what God said hearing his voice, doing what he said. And he says, position yourself, stand still. I mean, there, that's a battle. Yeah. Come on, you guys with the swords. Like, keep your swords in your sheath. Just stand there. Position yourself for battle, but stand there. Don't do anything. That, that is hard. Particularly for some of us guys that are kind of prone to action. Yeah. Well, let me fix it. Let me get it. Come on, let's get on with this thing, you know? And God just says, position yourself, stand still. That is spiritual warfare. Just to just obey the word of the Lord. See the salvation of God. Don't be in fear and don't be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. He didn't say, stay home and I'll do it for you. He said, get out there. Stand ready for the battle. But watch what I do. They bowed and worshiped. They stood and then praised the Lord loudly. Right? You notice that? This word loudly means praise is halal, which means to make a show, rave, be clamorously foolish, and to make a boast in the Lord. Oh, you may be stronger than us, but you're not stronger than our God. Yeah. It's just, and on and on and on. I heard you, Kim, in, in worship, you know, shouting. <laughs> That's exactly it. It comes out of the inside, and it's not just because we feel like it. It's because we, we know something gets released in the shout. I heard people shouting over here in worship at one point in time. All right, it's not just a, a shout. It's a shout of trust. It is. A shout of trust. It's what's behind The shout, it's what's behind the words that are coming out of your mouth. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. This word prosper means to be pushed forward in your assignment. First mention that word is in Genesis chapter 24 verse 21 when when Abraham sends a servant out to find a wife for his son his prayer is that his servant would prosper. In other words, the assignment, you'd be accomplished in your assignment. God desires that you accomplish the assignment he put on your life. So he'll prosper you in that. Whatever you need to do what God called you to do. And it's different for us. It's different for all of us. But this word believe is an imperative. It means it's a command. Believe. Believe on the Lord. Believe what God has said and you will prosper in your assignment. And he appointed singers to praise God. The words used here are different words. Halal means to boast, right? Yada is hands to the Lord, hands up to the Lord. Then there's Rana, which means to uh, shout with a loud, shrill shout. Splitting the ears is the implication. And then tehillah. Tehillah is that new song of the Lord. Worship leader said, well, it wasn't really a song. No, it was a song as soon as she sang it. It was a song, not a song anybody else knew, not a song she'd even heard before, but it was a song came out of her, a new song came out of her. That's Tehillah, spiritual songs that are not just thought up in the head, but come out of the spirit. The place that they ended up for this battle was in the valley that they thought would be their end. But the name of this valley is the Valley of Blessing. Could it be sometimes that when we think it is the end, it's a Valley of Blessing, which is a new beginning? Could that be? So the place they thought was their end became the Valley of Blessing, and they returned with joy and rejoicing over their enemies, for the fear of the Lord was on all the kingdoms around them. Now, just just a reminder, we've been in a series on Warfare, spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6 in the Amplified. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments in every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every act of disobedience when your own obedience as a church is complete. And from Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places." The issue is sometimes the enemy influences people, and we see faces, and we see people, but that's not the problem. We lose sight of a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom uh, of evil that is still rebelling against the kingdom of light, but is already lost. In John chapter 4, we find a story of Jesus meeting a woman at the well, and there's an awkward conversation that takes place, which isn't the point of why I'm referring to this right now, but she's feeling a little awkward, so she kind of Diverts the attention. She says, "Well, you Jews say you should worship in Jerusalem, and we say we should worship, you know, on Mount Gerizim, which is in Samaria." And there's this whole struggle against the Jews in Samaria, but they were all, they were all family. In fact, we're all family. We all came from the same seed. There was just no one in his family. That's it. We're we're all back to there somewhere. God loves people. Um, but anyway, she, she gets to this argument. Do we worship here do we worship there? Do we go here do we go there? And, and he said, there's a time coming now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The hour is coming now is when it's not about there or here, but it's everywhere you are and God's looking for true worship. He's not listening for the sound of worship. He already has that heaven is filled with worship. He has that. He's looking for worshipers. So what, what makes a worshiper? See, worship brings the manifestation of his presence. Just a reminder, a couple of things. The omnipresence of God is the fact that God is everywhere. And By faith, we know that he's always with us. When you came to church this morning, he was with you. You're sitting here right now. He is with you. When you leave today, he will be with you. If you're a Christ follower then the presence of God is with you everywhere. Even when you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. It's possible to feel alone, not be alone, because we have to understand that by faith, we know he is always with us. Then there's the abiding presence of the Lord, um, that God is in us, but not only with us. With us, He's not just with us, he's, he's in us. We are the temple of the living God. So he's everywhere, but he's also In us, and then we have the tangible presence of the Lord. You ever been somewhere sometime you just sense like God's here? Well, it wasn't like he wasn't there. So what's the difference? Well, there's a connection of the presence of God with our natural senses, often in a time of worship. And worship is broad. Worship is prayer. Worship is reading your Bible, and all of a sudden it comes off the page, and the Holy Spirit reveals something to you. Worship is broad. Worship is anywhere that we're not trying to lean to our own understanding. We're acknowledging the presence of God and trusting him. Worship is broad. Some people, you know, want to bail on worship. They just say, well, I'm not a singer. Well, sing, singing is a big part of it, but it's not the only part of it. Um, and it's not all of it. But, um, but it's certainly important. And that's why I say it doesn't matter. If you have a voice, you should use it and sing. And if you have to, you know, sing off, I'm not, I'm not making this comment on anybody, but you have to sing off to the side somewhere because you don't bother people and distract them from worship. You go do it. Go do whatever you got to do. I'm teasing a little bit. I told you already, I believe God hears it perfectly. That's what matters. You know, when I, when I would dance, sometimes my kids, my daughter, my oldest daughter is actually a dancer and she's you don't dance that great. I said, well, God likes it. Because I know I'm not a dancer, all right? but that means doesn't mean I can't dance. You know? I have two, two new hips. I, about five years ago, I got a double hip surgery uh, in a weekend, and I had to learn how to walk again, uh, and I can dance, but I, not quite like I used to I don't test them like I used to, but <laughs> But the issue is, am I willing? Good point. Am I willing? You know, I think what God looks for is, will we respond in worship any way the Holy Spirit says respond? And he just may challenge you out of your comfort zone. The first time I ever danced before the Lord in worship was at a full gospel men's retreat. That night I came back home. I was leading worship at our home church. And I'm leading worship, and the Holy Spirit said, dance. And I said, no. He said, dance. I said, no. I said, my wife's sitting right there. She's going to think I'm crazy. He said, dance. I finally danced. And it was quite amazing, but it impacted the people. And I totally did not realize it. we had a little dinky platform, cords everywhere. And I didn't trip on anything, which was a miracle in itself. Trust me, it was a miracle. But but God used it to break through. And actually, the way I broke through was I, I leaped. That's how I started. Because I had to get these feet off the ground because they were glued to the ground. I did not get raised that way in a Baptist church, you know. this was, We were not a... Dancing Baptist Church. Although, 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 I will say this, you know, there, we did do a youth service one day and we sang a really old song called uh, Lord of the Dance. Lord of the Dance said he, and we all danced down the aisle, arm in arm, and we thought they're gonna, the old people in the church are gonna, get, they're not gonna like this. The old people, they thought it was awesome to see such energy in the young people. It was all those middle-aged ones. <laughs> They're the ones who go, <laughs> you know, that surprised us. Ah, I digress. <laughs> you know, but you need, to, you need to be prepared to worship God however the Holy Spirit invites you to. And, you know, as long as you're not distracting somewhere else, but if, if everybody is quiet, this is just a hint, everybody else is quiet in that moment. We had a couple of this morning, just soft moments. Start off, Jesus, you're the center of my life oh, I can't sing that. Do you want it to be true? Then then sing it. Then sing it. In that quiet moment, that is not the time for a shout. When you're shouting, you can be quiet. When everybody's shouting, you can be quiet. It won't distract anybody. Just don't let your worship distract someone else. So when when most people are are shouting, you can be quiet, a little more observed. You can clap your hands. You can shout loud. You can shout soft. You know, you're not gonna distract anybody, but if there's a a sense of the presence of God and there's a quietness that comes on everybody, not the time to shout, please, okay? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. David was a warrior. David was a warrior who knew how to worship instead of worry. If you go through the Psalms, and they'll help you, if you've ever had a problem before in your life, reading of the Psalms will help you. If you're looking to see how David handled it, he was a leader who worshiped, had a lifestyle of worship. I won't go into it this morning, but um, in Psalm uh, 143, David talks about being overwhelmed in his soul, overwhelmed in his soul. And uh, he says, I'm persecuted, uh, been crushed, I'm overwhelmed, but then he says, I remember, I remember the Lord. I meditate upon your word. I muse, using New King James. I muse, I I run it over in my head. And then he says, I lift my hands, he worships. So he gets out of it. That's how I've had to get out of it. Perhaps you've had to get out of that way. it's It's a place of, yeah, you're overwhelmed, but when the spirit overwhelms you, the love of God overwhelms you, the mercy of God overwhelms you, uh, you, 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 you remember what you forgot. Yeah. It's always a problem when somebody says, yeah, yeah, I know that. I can't tell you, Sometimes times I come off the platform and somebody says, yeah, yeah, I heard that before. Oh, that's interesting because I never preached that message before. Wow. So you can't, you can't hear if you've already determined you know it. I was a church kid when I, I got away from the Lord for a year, got back with the Lord, and my Bible, it seems like I knew everything. It seems like I, I read it all, and I knew I didn't read it all. So I just changed the translation, and all of a sudden, the Bible came alive. It was not a problem with the Bible. It was a problem with me. thought I heard that. thought I knew that story. Well, I knew lots of stories, but I didn't necessarily know the truth or the revelation of what it was. See, worship is initiated by our spirit. It comes from the heart and it's embraced by the soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. You have to receive it and then you express it with the body. It comes from spirit. Spirit's always saying, Spirit, what? Is willing. Flesh is weak. Spirit is willing. Spirit's saying, Worship, worship, worship. Dance, dance, dance. Lift your hands, lift your hands, clap your hands. Oh, that's good. Say amen. Not me, not me. Because the brain, the, brain, the soul, the mind, the will, emotions has to embrace it and say, okay. And then the two of them just tell the body, line up and do it. You know, worship is about spirit and truth, sincerity and reality, sincerity and transparency. Those are the words it talks about. What what makes it a song worship is when you're transparent with God and you're just real with him. David is telling God the very worst, how he really feels, even about his enemies. And then he allows God's word, which he's hidden in his heart. Psalm 119 talks about it. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Then the word speaks to him, instructs him, and reminds him, and he begins to worship and trust God rather than himself, rather than his own ideas rather than what he feels like doing. You ever felt like doing something that is a really good thing, you didn't do it? Let me flip that around. Ever done something, said something you wish he had not done? There's three things in worship, both personal and corporate, that I, I want you to grab a hold of this one, that happened, because, you know, there's been times that, that I have had to worship myself out of a funk, uh, out of discouragement, out of depression, really. Um, and I've had to worship, and, and, and it works, and it happens, but I want to do three things. They're not an exclusive list, but three main things that happen, whether we do this personally at home or corporately when we get together, and why it's so important for us to corporately gather together. The, the, the reality is, as we come together corporately, we get to enter into each other's uh, lives, world, uh, worship. Um, when we get together... You know, here's what, here's what Paul said. I use this scripture because it's just a simple way to say it. Romans 12, 15 says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Maybe it's news to you, but every time we gather together corporately, there's people who are weeping and there are people who are rejoicing. Every time. Uh, there's going to be people who are ready to worship, can hardly wait to worship, and there's people are going, I hope they don't sing that song. You know, because that's where we are. But we have an opportunity to fight for each other and worship. Because yes. guess what? The day that I come, the day that I come, and I'm just barely got myself, because I almost listened to the lie that says, You're, You had a, bl- a bad week, a lousy week, you should just stay home. Not even worth you showing up. Nobody wants to see you anyways. Nobody ever would remember you were there, you weren't there. You should just stay home. On that day that I got myself together with the people of God, I needed you to worship and your faith got on me. And I thought, oh, just maybe, just maybe God will still do this again. Just just maybe, just maybe. You know what the best songs are? I think the best songs are the ones, we did it today. Every, everyone on this list, girls, whoever did the list and brought the songs together. I love you, Lord. We start off with that. A little, you know. A little quiet start, but a meditative, getting us focused, getting our thoughts off here. Raise a hallelujah. Did you know that raise a hallelujah and that, that um, I'm going to sing in the middle? I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, right? Yeah. Do you know that that song was written in the middle of the storm? Yeah. You know the story behind that? It was written because of some people were believing for, for a little one, little guy to live and not die. And he lived and not died. They, they wrote that song. In the middle of a storm. Do you know what? If you're either either in a storm or you've just come out of a storm, we can all sing that song. We we can all sing, uh, you are my king. I may be excited about it. I just may be reminding myself about it. But we can sing, that. all hail, King Jesus. Yes, you're bigger than this problem. All hail, King Jesus. Awesome, I've been praying and believe or that. Just got my breakthrough. Yeah, Jesus, I got... You can sing that song. You can sing Jesus at the center of my life. That's a sacrifice. You lay it down. You just come, okay, God. Oh, no, not with the week I had. That argument I just had with Beth. But I want it to be true, God. I don't feel like it's true today, but I I want it to be true. God sees that in the heart. That's what he's looking for. Will you be real with me? Because I know, anyways. <laughs> Will you just be real? Like, what are we talking about here? When God said to Adam, Where are you? He was not saying a geographical question, it was an emotional question. Where are you? He says, I'm afraid. Yeah, God knows that. Where are you today? I'm afraid. Okay, admit it. And then realize the perfect love casts out fear. Not your perfect love. The love of God, the perfect love of God, a revelation of that, a trust in that will cast out fear. The enemy (laughs) The world knows how to get you into fear, does not how to get you out of fear. The church does. So God help us if we stay in fear. Ever been in fear? Absolutely. Every one of us. But we don't have to stay in fear. You can worship your way out of fear. All right, here's the three things. Oh sorry. There's this gusher coming. Worship, this is the first thing. Worship that releases, uh, releases revelation of life. I'm gonna pinpoint three things that I've actually been talking about a little bit in the story. Worship that releases revelation of life. That's declaring God's truth. It, don't, don't declare how you feel. Don't declare what you think. Declare what you know. Declare what the word says. The, the worship, worship helps give you words that you had a hard time coming up with. That's why I love being up praying in the Spirit. My words don't do, the spirit can always pray. All right, And then my head can think better afterwards and get my words in line. You know, John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. Free. But it's the word that you know experientially. The word genosko means experientially. It's what's real to you. It's true whether you believe it or not. It's only will set you free if it's a revelation to you. So what do you have a revelation of? And you muse and you meditate to allow that internal, eternal revelation to transform us. So personal and corporate warfare in this is it's the storms of life. We discover what we really believe. Sometimes it's disappointing. Sometimes we're surprised. But that's all it is. It's just... Uh, remind yourself, okay, now what do we need to do about this? Well, Scripture says in James 4, 8, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. It's not because he's far away. Because he feels like he's far away. So draw near to God. No, it's attention thing, a focus thing. Worship is all about attention and focus. What will we focus on? What will we show attention to? Uh, Will I focus on my problem or will I focus on my God? And if God's your problem... He can never be your answer. So, either God's for you or He's not. I love us. Pastor RJ last week talked about the command of the Lord's army. God doesn't pick sides, He is a side, and He says, Are you with me? And He wants to over, over, overtake everything. Love it. It's exactly the issue. We don't know enough to do that on our own. We don't know enough, simply. So we remind each other in worship what sometimes we've forgotten. You have a line that comes up and you go, oh, 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 sing that again. I needed that. You know the best song to you is a song you wish you'd written. Oh, that's what I feel like tonight. This is what I, yes. Oh, oh. You know, so we're not all going to agree on what the best song is on a Sunday morning. Do you know that? Not style-wise, not word-wise, nothing, because the best song to you on any given day is a song that speaks to your heart and expresses what you couldn't find the words for yourself. And it gives you the words. So here's what it does. Worship that releases revelation in life it gives us victory that overcomes in Jesus. Reminds us of that victory. 1 John 5:4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. Second thing, worship that pushes back the darkness. It was in one of the songs we sang today. The light is never intimidated by darkness. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 14, you'll find that one of the plagues was darkness. But then later on, and it was dark everywhere except with the children of Israel. They're the only ones in the whole country that had light. And later on 14, there's the pillar of darkness. It was, it was light to one and dark to the other. That's the world we live in. That's spiritual warfare. There's a warfare between the spirit of uh, darkness and the spirit of light. God himself is light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And he says, you are children of the light. Light's not intimidated by darkness. And I am the least intimidated in my life when I am in worship. When I'm in worship. Because it reminds me. Gets my head off of where my head goes. Gets my head off my feelings. It focuses me on what God's word says. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. That's 2 Samuel 20, verse 29. Perhaps you know the words of David in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 23, verse 4, referred to as a uh, Lord's my shepherd. 23rd Psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even when there's a shadow of death looming, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It was a revelation to David. He had learned that through difficult times from 17 to 30, an exile. Not a fun way to learn, but sometimes that's the only way we learn It's going through tough times, pressure times, unexpected times, times we're reminded we don't have enough strength nor enough wisdom. Victory that overcomes the works of darkness. This is what, what Paul wrote in Romans 13, 12. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. God has, what, taken us from the kingdom. Peter puts it this way. Your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When darkness comes, you just say, "Sorry, uh, not 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 for me anymore." Right. In corporate, personal worship, there's a pushing back of darkness. Maybe somebody comes in and darkness is 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 trying to prevail over them. I went to a counselor a couple of times. We've been to this counselor in the U.S. and. Um, deals with, with ministers and just helping us. We wanted to kind of assess and see where are we at for this next phase of life? How are we doing? And he warned me because I can tend to be a little negative uh, on the negative side. Um, and I can go there quickly. I have to be careful. He says, Steve, you have to look out and be aware of the clouds forming, the dark clouds forming. So if you know what dark clouds forming is like, that's a good time to sing. That's a good time to put the CD on, good time to get your favorite uh, playlist out. That's a good time. When you can't read your Bible yourself, thank God, you can push, push on something and it'll start playing the word, reading to you. When you can't sing it yourself, it's a good thing you can get somebody else to sing that song. You feel like singing, but you're not quite there yet. And then you're going to start mouthing the words, and then you're going to start singing, and pretty soon you'll do, you'll do what you know to do, but you couldn't do in your own strength. That happens every time we get together. People come in, clouds over their head. Come on, break off the darkness. Let's let the light of God shine. Say, wow, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I don't really need to go to church tomorrow because things are going good. You don't wait till things are bad to come to church. Wouldn't it be awesome if we all came because life was so good. We just came for everybody that life was not so awesome for. And we're gonna worship them. I love it when people walk in the door and they don't understand, they don't know our God, but they hear our worship and they go, I don't know what's going on here, but man, these people are serious and they sure love their God. Wow, that is kind of like strange, but good strange. Good, strange. Here's the third thing. Worship changes the atmosphere. It's called living in his presence, but it changes the atmosphere. You know, in the presence of God, you don't have to be strong. I had a couple in my office one time and she was a strong leader and she was, she was leading and he always came with her when they came to see me. And, and we would talk and she started sharing I started talking and she started crying. She said, oh, I don't know what it is. Every time we come see you, I cry. I said, I know what it is. I didn't know. I just came out of me. Oh, I know what it is. And she says, what's that? I said, it's because you don't have to be strong here. Everywhere else you're leading and you have to be strong. And her husband's nodding his head going, yeah, that's, that's really good. It was. It was the Holy Spirit. I, I've repeated it many times after that, but I didn't initiate with me. But see, in the presence of God, you don't have to be strong. In fact, the more we're willing to admit our weakness, the stronger he becomes in us and Let the weak say, but only the weak and those who admit their need can actually be strong in the Lord. And that's a problem for a lot of us, right? We can t- pause and take a breath and we can be vulnerable. God's with us wherever we are, but we need a fresh revelation of truth. Maybe those things that were foundations and for some of us that served God a long time, review the foundations. Remind yourself of what you know and knew better than you do now. It's not that you don't believe it. It's just that you haven't reminded yourself. The Bible is full of reminders from Genesis to Revelation to remember because if you don't remember and forget, you will serve other gods and go after them and it will not end well. Remembering, when we celebrate communion today, RJ, Pastor RJ leads us, communion is to remember. Remember, remember some of those things that we almost forgot we knew. Worship can remind you in that. David in Psalm 13 is a good example, but there's many of them. He first expressed his pain, then expressed his praise. You'll see it over and over again. God is never intimidated by your pain. He appreciates our vulnerability. But then it doesn't end there. He goes into praise. In Acts 16 25, one of our best examples of atmosphere changing is Paul and Silas are in jail. Not a jail like you envision today, or some of us, some people have visited. I visited jail. I had not been in jail, but I visited jail with my dad when he put services on, and as I worked for Bell Candy years ago. And first time I walked into the jail and heard the thing clang behind me, oh, not a good feeling. But this is not that kind of jail. This is a dirty, musty, filthy jail. And at midnight, they're singing. And the atmosphere in the jail changes because everybody's listening. How can they, after the day they've had, be singing praises to God? What is going on? The atmosphere in the jail changes. And actually, many of the people that were listening in the household got saved. We can choose to worship rather than worry. But if you don't worship, you will worry. We remind ourselves that the victory that overcomes heaviness brings joy. Isaiah 61, put on the spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In Nehemiah 8.10, we're told, don't sorrow today. It's a holy day. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't feel like worshiping. That's a good sign you need to. When I feel like it the least is when I need to worship the most. And as we do so, we release God's truth in our lives. We push back the darkness that wants to press in. and We change the atmosphere around us, in our home, in our church, at work, in our car. Some of us have profound worship experiences alone in the car but it's got to make us stronger and better when we get out of the car. And sometimes it doesn't take that long. I'd like to pray for you. Father, thank you that today, Lord, you are, (laughs) your word simply says you love the world. You love all people everywhere. Those who know you and those who do not yet. And your love is towards them. Lord, we, we choose to, Lean not to our own understanding, but acknowledge you and trust you, your ways, your plans, your purposes. Father, in the middle of issues of our life, we choose to trust you. We choose to sing after a victory. We choose to sing before a victory. We choose to sing, lift our voices, lift our hands. We choose to worship you and acknowledge our trust and our confidence in you. Lord, you have not called us victims but victors in Christ, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Today, Father, no matter what each one is going through, you see, you know. Father, may our worship rise to you. Hearts that are not um, trying to hide, not trying to pretend, but hearts that are real, transparent, and releasing heartfelt gratitude Thankfulness. Let hope and trust arise today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen. And amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor Steve. Okay. <sighs> so good. You can stand up with me. I'll remind you that you have an opportunity to sew into our guest speaker. Uh, if you're on the app, just choose the guest speaker tab. If you're using an envelope, guest speaker. If you're online, just put a note in the memo and be a blessing. How many know it's good to, go, good to sew into people? Amen. It's good to sew into ministry gifts that sew into you. You know, and I was, I was thinking, he said, he said today, I'm least intimidated when I'm in worship least intimidated. And uh, worship does does some pretty amazing things in our lives when we purpose to give a sacrifice of praise, even when you don't want to. So I was was meditating on that as he said that. At the end, uh, it pushes back the darkness. It changes the atmosphere. And some of you in your mind right now, you're in prison. Your mind is locked, and you need to worship. You need to release, and, and as you surrender to Christ in obedience and start worshiping the King, you'll find that it's going to unlock the prison in your mind, and you'll be able to release forgiveness, and the resentment will start to flow away because the Spirit of God is going to come in, and it's going to push back the darkness. It's going to change the atmosphere in your mind, and the atmosphere in your mind is going to determine the atmosphere in your life. but worship's gonna set the tone for that. So as we come to the table today, Father, I thank you for the bread in our hand. I thank you for the ministry of the word today. It's gone into good ground in our hearts. Let it produce much fruit. Father, transform us from the inside out. And as we come to the table together, Lord, we remember your sacrifice. You were wounded for us. You were bruised for us, that in our imperfection, you can make us perfect because of your blood. So we receive now healing, mind, body, and spirit in the name of Jesus. Father, even as I'm listening right now, I feel some are even challenging that I'm not in prison in my mind. I'm really not saying that. God's telling you you are. And if you're honest with yourself, and if you're honest with him, he'll set you free. Fathers, we have the cup in our hand. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It cleanses us from sin. It brings freedom from the curse. Today, Father, as we're in your presence together, the saints, remembering the cross, I ask that right now as people change the attitude in their mind and start worshiping you, that you're gonna continue to pour out revelation from your word. You're gonna show them things they never saw before. Give them insight and wisdom Lord, I thank you that darkness has to go and the light will come forth. And we can celebrate great victory in you. So release. Bring freedom over your people today. Release. There's some that even need to receive forgiveness right now. You don't think that you're worthy to be forgiven. Christ died for you too. He made a way for you to receive. So right now, Lord, as we partake of the cup, we look to you and let your grace be present in our lives. In Jesus' name.